91.3 KBCS HD1 Bellevue, Seattle, Tacoma, a broadcasting service of Bellevue College. I'm Yuko Kodama. Back in 2019, immigration was one of the most pressing issues in the United States, as is the case today. There was an often proclaimed humanitarian crisis at the southern border. And while the Trump administration was implementing a Remain in Mexico policy, those who crossed the Sonoran Desert faced life-threatening heat and long walks. Border Patrol recognized that 283 people died attempting to cross into the U.S. through the desert in 2018. And in the calendar year ending in October of 2021, U.S. Customs and Border Protection recorded 568 deaths, over twice as many. KBCS's Mari McMiniman and Dana Scherholz and myself went to San Diego to meet with Dulce Garcia, who was at the time the executive director of the immigration nonprofit Border Angels back in November of 2019. The organization supports mobile schools and shelters on the border for migrants waiting for their asylum claims to be processed. And it also leads water drops, trips through the desert, where volunteers leave jugs of water to help people survive on their journey through the scrub. So today we're going to the desert uh, with a group of young folks to drop water uh, near the border, near the wall, uh, in the hopes that people that are crossing the desert reach that water. That's Garcia. We're in a van headed east of San Diego into the Sonoran Desert. Every day uh, there's people that are attempting to cross uh, through our very harsh lands in the desert, and we hope to reduce the amount of deaths uh, by putting water at the desert. And we're educating uh, these newer generations about what is actually happening here at the border so that they are aware of uh, the humanitarian crisis that we experience here in the San Diego region. Garcia is an undocumented immigration lawyer. She came to the United States from Mexico at the age of four and is able to stay because she's a dreamer or someone who is allowed to remain in the U.S. through the DACA program. The story of how Garcia became a lawyer is essential to her work. Well, I was one of the lucky people to know from very young that I wanted to be an attorney. I would watch the the TV, the movies, and read the books, um, and I would always see or read about lawyers being heroes. But at first, she wanted to work in criminal defense. Then an experience in 2006 pushed her in a new direction. And it was when I was in college that my brother was stopped by a police officer for driving suspiciously. I believe today was very much racial profiling and he was immediately turned over to ICE. Her brother was stopped in San Diego for driving too slowly. This was before a California sanctuary law that prohibited police asking questions about someone's immigration status. Dulce Garcia's brother was turned over to ICE and taken to a detention center 100 miles away. Garcia realized this could be the last time she saw her brother. So I went to the detention center and when I saw him and I saw my brother's spirit just broken, it changed something in me. Uh, my younger brother, he was the life of the party in high school. He would play sports. His, 
his hair was always on point, his clothing, his shoes. Uh, he was really popular. He was always having a smile. I was a nerdy one. <laughs> my mom would force us to go to school dances together, and my brother would tell me, five feet in front of behind because you're too nerdy, right? And so he, that, was, that, that was my brother. When I went to the detention center and I saw him be behind the glass window, I realized that he was not himself anymore. He had been given an alien registration number. So he'd been stripped of his identity. He had been given a jumpsuit. He had been given shoes without shoelaces so that he wouldn't attempt suicide. I could tell he had been crying. And I could tell he was trying to put a brave face for me and not cry in front of me. And that image behind the glass window changed me forever. I have that image and I have it with me every single day when I do this work. Um, because I remember the fear he had in his eyes. I remember how confused he was. Garcia's brother came to the United States when he was three. Neither one of them have many memories of living in Mexico, but still Garcia and her family faced uncertainty about whether they would be able to stay in a place they had called home for over a decade. During his immigration hearings, a judge set Garcia's brother's bond at $15,000, a seemingly unattainable amount of money for someone without legal status and that legal status's benefits, like paychecks and bank accounts. Eventually, the judge reduced the bond to $1,500, but not before Dulce's mom was also put in removal proceedings after testifying on her son's behalf. For Garcia, this was a call to action. So then that's when I realized I need to, I need to learn where, where we stand, where my family stands in the system. I need to know all there is to know about immigration policy and our laws. And that's when I decided to be an immigration attorney. Garcia is someone who understands what her clients go through because she lives in their community with the same state of constant fear. Fear that speaking in Spanish could lead to questions from Border Patrol or that a traffic stop could end at a detention center. Around us is endless desert. Scrub waist-high, scraggly bushes extend out to the horizon. This area regularly stays above 100 degrees. It's an inhospitable place and a major throughway for people crossing the U.S.-Mexican border. As we continue along the highway, we see a Border Patrol checkpoint. There's a white tent covering a stretch of freeway. Cars slow as an on-duty Border Patrol agent looks in their window and either waves them through or stops them to ask questions. It's just one of the hurdles people move through every day, and it's easier for some than others. They don't look for tall, blonde, blue-eyed men. They look for, parent, for people that sound and look like my dad. So for those of us that are undocumented in a border town like San Diego, where we have a strong presence, we have the military, we have the local law enforcement, we have the sheriffs, uh, we have a Coast Guard, we have, you know, it's such a big uh, military uh, town that we live in a constant state of fear. There are also less visible difficulties of being an undocumented immigrant. 
no social security number and no pay stubs, which means no credit history or proof of employment, which means no background checks. So finding a place to live can be nearly impossible. Buying and registering a car is a significant effort, and even getting a cell phone takes a substantial amount of work. That's one of the reasons that Garcia does this work. She's experienced many of the injustices of being an immigrant. When out in the desert on water drops, she finds items like kids' backpacks, small shoes, and jackets in the desert. This journey is taken by children, teenagers, parents, and spouses. It's heartbreaking work. Um, it's not easy. It's, it's tolling physically and emotionally. I have so much respect for people that are involved in our water drop program and in our caravan program because it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking uh, when you, you find like the baby shoes you know, and you know that there's babies crossing through here in 115 degree weather um, and you just hope that they make it. And you can only imagine the pain that the moms and the parents have as they're praying that they go through this. Today's water drop is an educational tour. No climbing boulders to leave blankets and jackets. No long trips to even more remote areas. It's primarily for people to connect and learn about the work that's being done. The drop is led by Marianne Ruiz, who is then the volunteer coordinator at Border Angels. She's standing in front of a group of college students from Santa Ana College. Just a couple guidelines and general information and what today is going to be like. Um, so this route, uh, we have done, we did in the past month. Weighing on everyone's mind is the case of Scott Warren, a 36-year-old geographer who provided medical assistance to people in the desert. He was tried by the U.S. government on two counts of harboring unauthorized immigrants and then eventually acquitted. Still, the message was clear. The government is actively working to stop people from saving the lives of people in the desert. Do whatever you want. Um, I very highly doubt that we will encounter someone, um, especially now because they're fairly good conditions. But if we do, um, don't interact, just leave a gallon. And um, if, if they do need medical help, we'll call it in. Um, just because we don't want anyone to get in any kind of trouble, we don't want a Scott Warren situation happening, so we won't do that, <laughs> but um, yeah, just, just that. Ruiz is leading today's water drop and instructing participants to write the date on jugs so they can track when the water was dropped and if it was used. Participants can also write messages to anyone who finds the potentially life-saving water. I wrote, um, estamos contigo, which means we're with you. Uh, si se puede, which uh, you can, and then I put el amor no tiene fronteras, so love doesn't have borders. And then on this one I'm writing um, resistance, indigenous resistance. This is Diana Flores, first time assisting with Water Drop. She's the president of a woman empowerment club at Santa Ana College, and many of her friends are indigenous or undocumented and DACA students. 
Flores's mom crossed the border a few times in the 1980s, sometimes with her children. When Flores heard her mom tell stories of crossing the border with her kids, they resonated with her deeply. It's something that still weighs on her today as she moves through Southern California and its border checkpoints. Passing the border, the, the, the checkpoint, I was getting anxiety. I was getting fearful. And I'm like, this is now. And I think everyone was feeling that way. Like the girls in the back were like kind of crying. And I'm like, this is generational trauma. This is what we're talking about that we need to heal. You know, like the, the generational trauma of this. Like we're citizens and yet look, I'm fearful. Like I'm, I'm, I have anxiety built up. And you're not, you're not an undocumented immigrant. Yeah, exactly. I'm a citizen, quote unquote, to say, and and I felt it. I don't know if any of y'all felt it. Like, I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Like, why is my like my heart is racing? I'm getting fearful. And I remember having that feeling even when I was little. We head further into the desert. Ruiz, the volunteer coordinator, brings up that these conditions are perfect for the border patrol. And what I was saying is, this is kind of perfect weather, which is definitely not some, some like when someone would take their chances, mm-hmm. because when the weather is like this, it's a lot more heavily, easily and heavily patrolled. Um, and as Dulce was mentioning before, Border Patrol likes to be comfortable when it's hot. They don't want to be out on their ATVs. Like, um, so it's unfortunately when people, when people will take their chance, is in the worst conditions. And um, she's been on, on, on the other hikes before, like it gets so hot to the point where people's hiking shoes have melted. So, and we're only here for a couple hours. We're getting like a 1% of what someone would do. Yeah. We come across an unused gallon of water and some scattered clothing. Yeah. There's like a backpack and some socks and all that. Karen Garcia is with a club called Alianza Chicana, a Mexican-American club that does community service and advocates for restorative justice. So I'm a U.S. citizen. Um, I've volunteered with Border Angels for, I want to say, five water drops already, or four. I'm not sure what the number is at this point. Um, so I'm a daughter of immigrants. All of my family members are immigrants, my uncles, my aunts, my mom, everybody that crossed the border in the mid-90s. And my aunt was pregnant and crossing the border. And so they mentioned to me that they had to go, you know, get help because she was pregnant and, you know, going down this lake, they all had to swim. And it was a difficult process. And without my parents and my uncles crossing the border, I wouldn't be here right now. And so I fight for those that are undocumented and for the youth because I could have been locked in a cage right now. Garcia notes that the onus of change falls on those who normally would be complacent. One thing that I would share is to for those that are silent and are comfortable with being discriminated and feel like there there can't be change done I want to acknowledge those that are silent and I want them to understand that they're part of the problem being silent instead of using their voice and challenging the systems 
because the world is not going to end with oppressors. It's going to end with people who don't do anything about these issues. Border Angels continues to advocate for policy changes while dropping water in the desert for whomever may find them. People will continue to cross the desert with aspirations of life in the U.S. And Border Angels continues to just try to save lives. Or as Dulce Garcia put it back in 2019. You know, this is humanitarian aid. We're not helping people cross the border. We're helping them survive it. Just for them to not die while they go through this journey. As of last spring, Dulce Garcia has moved on to the organization KIND, or Kids in Need of Defense. Special thanks to Hans Anderson for crafting this story with us, and to Magdaleno Rosavila of Building Bridges for inspiring us to take on stories at the border. I'm Yuko Kodama.